If you have your Bible, please open it to John chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 12, not what is printed in the bulletin. So when I started writing the sermon, everything changed. Even the title of the sermon changed too. So, so John 13, verses 6 through 12. The title is A Love That Washes Us, Part 2. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Are you familiar with this phrase? Don't put all your eggs into one basket. It means you shouldn't put all your resources into just one thing. It's not wise to invest all your money into just one company. You shouldn't put all your hopes and dreams into just one venture. Don't put all your eggs into one basket because if you do, you risk losing everything. So are you willing to risk everything you have and own today to put your eggs into just one basket? Are you willing to risk it? Everything you have for just one basket. This week I came across a quote online. It says, Easter is the only time of the year when it's perfectly safe to put your eggs into one basket. Well, it's safe because you actually put eggs into a basket. But there's another way you can look at that quote. There's another way that you can actually apply that quote. And you can do that once you get rid of the bunny and colorful eggs and expensive baskets. Once you get a, do away with those things, it's easy to see that there is one basket that's perfectly safe for all your eggs. Do you see it? There is one basket perfectly safe for all your hopes, dreams, insecurities, your fears, your future, your pain, and your peace. Do you have it? There is one basket perfectly safe for your life, for your heart, for your soul. Do you want it? Do you want this basket? The basket isn't an actual basket. It's actually a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Do you see him? Do you want him? Do you have him? You see, Easter is the only time of the year that you can put your eggs into one basket because Jesus rose from the dead. That's the reason why it's safe. That's the reason why he's safe, because the grave could not hold him down. But do you believe it? And are you willing today to put your eggs into the safest basket you ever going to find in this life? Are you willing to place them in that basket? Are you willing to give them to Jesus today? You should, and I'm going to tell you why. You see, the, res- the cross and the resurrection are the climax of Jesus' ministry. Did you know that? The climax of it. When he finishes the, Father's, the work the Father has given him, those two things, the cross and the resurrection, are the climax. But before the resurrection, before the cross, before he stood before Pilate, before Peter denies him, before his trial, before the kiss of betrayal, before the blood of tears, before his high priestly prayer, he sits in the upper room with his twelve disciples to share a final meal. And in this upper room, he paints a picture of his resurrection love 
for each and every one of you. It's a love that flows from who he is, because if he's not who he says he is, then his love means nothing. And that love also washes you. It washes you completely. Here's God's word, John 13, beginning in verse 6. Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Then Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed his place. And Jesus said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Here's God's word. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth on this Easter Sunday, we still need your spirit. We need him. We can't forget about the third person within the Godhead. We need him to open up our hearts, to open up our eyes, Lord, so that we can see you, so that we can know you more. You know who we are. You see us. There's nothing that we can hide from you. And so, Holy Spirit, meet us in that place. Meet us in the places that we struggle today. Meet us in our insecurities. Meet us in our fears. Meet us in our pride. And bring us to that place of greater trust in the one who died for our sins. He is the safest basket that we can put all our eggs in because he did conquer the grave. The resurrection is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's a historical event. It happened. It happened, but help us to believe it in faith. I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. After Jesus humbles himself and washes the disciples' feet, he he gets up off his knees. This is something that I mentioned like two weeks ago. He was on his knees washing their feet. And once he gets up, he puts back on his clothes, his outer garments, and then he sits down, he sits back down at the dinner table. That's what verse 12 tells us. And when he sits down, he asks the disciples a, a, a question. He says, do you understand what I have just done to you? Do you comprehend it? Do you grasp it? Do you see the reality of it? And now, I'm a little confused by the question. Because a couple of verses later, he told them that they didn't know what he had just done to them. So now I'm asking myself when I was writing this sermon, what is Jesus' angle here? Why is he asking them a question he already knows the answer to? He already said they didn't understand it. He already told them you would understand it afterwards. So, so why is he asking them this question again if he already knows the answer? You see, there are two meanings for the foot washing. There's two meanings to that. One is a spiritual meaning. One is the ethical meaning. We're going to deal with the ethical meaning next week. One is the spiritual meaning. One is the ethical meaning. And Jesus hints at the spiritual meaning in verse 7 when he tells Peter, you won't understand what I'm doing until afterwards. Afterwards means his resurrection 
after the cross, after the resurrection, after the ascension, after the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. That's when they will fully understand the spiritual meaning of what he had just done for them. Currently, they do not. They do not currently understand the meaning of his resurrection love. They do not currently understand that Jesus is God at this moment. They don't fully understand that yet. We have the privilege of looking back into the past. They don't have that privilege, but they live in it. We have the privilege of looking back into the upper room. So when we look back, we understand that the spiritual significance and the spiritual meaning of him washing their feet is that Jesus continues to forgive his people on a daily basis. That's the spiritual meaning of the foot washing. If you have faith in Jesus today, if you know him, he continues to wash you when he forgives you or the sins you still struggle with. Because we all do. Even the pastor still struggles with sin. And he continues to forgive you. For all have sinned and fall short. You still fall short. Just because you're saved don't make you perfect. Doesn't make you holier than thou. You still have your sin struggles. And Jesus is still there on his knees washing your feet. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Romans 8.34 tells us that Jesus continues to intercede on our behalf. Not used to intercede, but currently interceding at this moment on your behalf. That's him washing you. And Hebrews 7.25 tells us that Jesus always lives to make intercession for his people. That's you. He's doing that right now. Do you know that Jesus made intercession for you right now? Still doing it on your behalf because of his resurrection love for you. You listen, Jesus' work, as I said earlier, does not stop once he brings you into the kingdom. He does, his work doesn't stop once he saves you and gives you salvation. He doesn't say, all right, I saved you, little Johnny. Now, little Johnny, you go do what you want to do. I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. He continues to work in your life. And that work is a sanctifying work where he is transforming you and and molding you into his image. That's what his resurrection love is doing to those who have faith in him. That's what he's doing. Some of the resurrection stories that have been shared this month are are foot-washing stories. Some of them are because they're sharing stories of what Jesus is still doing in my life. He continues to bring resurrection to the dead areas of your life. Because some areas of your life is dead. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your friends. You can't hide it from Jesus. He sees it. And he wants to bring life to those areas of your life. That's how he continues to wash you. Because we all have brokenness. Who has issues? I don't. What? Who has issues? Thank you. We thank you. And Jesus deals with people who have issues. But do you believe that? Every believer in this room must continue to embrace this aspect of his resurrection love. That he continues to wash you in love. Not out of shame. Not out of guilt. Not in condemnation. But out of love. He continues to do this in your life, in your heart. That's the spiritual meaning of him washing your feet. But do you understand it? The disciples do not understand it yet. 
But afterwards, they will understand. But not all of them will understand. Not all of them will understand the spiritual meaning of it. Because not all of them are clean. Please know, Judas got his feet washed. But he wasn't clean. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Jesus has washed his, his, Jesus' feet before, Jesus, before Judas leaves the dinner. Jesus washed his feet knowing that hours later he's going to betray him. That's what he tells Peter. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except his feet because he is completely clean, but not every one of you is clean. Judas has a partial washing, but he never got the full washing of Jesus. He never got the bathing. And I think I said it two weeks ago. There's a difference between bathing in the sink and bathing in the tub. There's a big difference. Many people simply want Jesus to wash their feet. They want a partial washing. They want a little bit of Jesus, just enough to get through. They don't want to be fully bathed by him. Partially being bathed does not make you clean. It does not. You need to be fully bathed by Jesus in order to be fully clean. And this bathing that he's talking about has a spiritual meaning that they don't understand yet. But we can understand it again because we're looking back. And that spiritual meaning of this bathing has been fully washed in the blood that was shed on the cross. That's the bathing. That's what makes them clean. That's what will make them clean. And you need that bathing before you can enjoy him washing your feet throughout your life. If you don't have that bath, then the other one don't really matter. Because you got to get this one first. On 6th Avenue in Manhattan, New York, there's an installed billboard-sized clock on display. This clock has a running display of numbers that constantly update. They aren't meaningless numbers. They are very important numbers. See, the clock is what is known as the national debt clock. And the running numbers on display is the current United States national debt. And you know what else is on there? Your share of the debt. How much you owe is also on that clock. It's a big number. It's a huge number. It's a lot of money. But that debt compares nothing to your debt to God. Compares nothing. Because each of us have a debt clock around our neck. And that debt clock is your sin. It's your sin debt to God. And your debt clock isn't a running display of your sin because your sin is by nature, not by behavior. It's actually an alarm clock. And the alarm is going off because payment is due. Did you know that? The payment for your sin to God is due. It's due. And you can't set up a, mo- a monthly payment plan. Can't do it. You can't rob Peter to pay Paul. Balance is due now. And you can't clear this debt by being a good person. You can't do it by trying to make sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. That won't work. You can't clear this debt by going to church. You can't clear this debt by, by volunteering at charities. You can't clear this debt by any of your own human efforts. You can't do it. It won't work. If you try to pay off this debt doing, doing these things in your own efforts, it, it's, it's like trying to pay off your credit card 
with Monopoly money? Who sends Monopoly money to Discover Card to pay off their credit card debt? Nobody. And when you go and when you taking God your good deeds, taking God your good works, say, here's my payment, it's Monopoly money. And I don't care how many times you go past go and collect $200, it's still Monopoly money. It ain't real. It won't work. The only way to pay off your sin debt to God, it requires the shedding of blood. Not good works. For the wages of sin is death. Not a bad day. Not bad credit. Death. And the only way you cancel that debt, somebody's blood has to be shed. And it's either going to be yours or a substitute. Which do you want? Life and death are before you. It's either going to be your blood or substitute. And there's only one substitute's blood that's powerful enough and strong enough to cancel out that debt. There's only one basket, say for me, and that's Jesus. But will you come and surrender to him today? Will you come? It cleans you. It covers you before God. He takes away your sin debt. He takes away your bad credit history. And he gives you his perfect credit score and his debt-free life. That's what he does for you when you come to him in faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that you might become the righteousness of God. Please, do you believe that? Jesus was righteous. He was innocent. He didn't have to die. He didn't do anything wrong. He died in your place. And you may say in your mind, well, I don't do bad things, but you're not a sinner because of what you do. You're a sinner because your heart is sinful. Your unrighteousness is sin and your self-righteousness is sin. Morality and immorality will both send you to hell. You've got to be covered in the blood to be made right with God. Covered in his blood. You need that kind of bathing from Jesus. You need it. So are you willing to put all your eggs into the safest basket you're ever going to find in this life? I'm telling you, some of you are searching for that one basket that's going to make all your dreams come true. That one person, that one love, that one place, that, that certain amount of money, a certain kind of thing, a certain kind of house, a certain kind of job. We all have our basket, our Easter basket. We're putting all our eggs in it. I'm going to tell you, that basket ain't ever going to do it for you. What ends up happening, you end up having a shelf of baskets. Because all those baskets let you down and you go create another one. And I'm telling you, there's one today that says you don't need any other basket. I'm the only one you're ever going to need. But some of you won't come because you don't believe. There's only one basket safe enough for all your sin, and that's Jesus. Because he dies in your place for you. In the movie Passion of 57, Wesley Snipes asked the bad guy a question. He says, have you ever played roulette? The bad guy says on occasion, and Wesley Snipes says, let me give you a piece of advice. Always bet on black. You want true forgiveness? You want true peace? You want true purpose? 
true value, true dignity, true happiness, true acceptance, true forgiveness, your sin debt taken care of. Well, let me give you a piece of advice. I always bet on you. But will you bet on it? That's the question. Will you believe it? Romans 4, 25 says, Jesus was delivered up for our sins, but raised for our justification. Know that. Death could not hold him down. It is finished. It is finished on your behalf. You do realize he had the power to come down from that cross, don't you? He let them do that to him. In his moment, he could have came down in his own power, but because he loved you, he did. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him may have everlasting life. For God demonstrated his love for you, that while you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. And I say this all the time in this church. Jesus did not die for friends. He died for enemies. That's what makes the gospel so powerful. That he died for those who said crucify him. I don't know if you saw the the, uh, the, this, the, the, the live version of that was on TV on Fox News about the Passion Week of Christ. I don't know if you all saw that. But please know, if Jesus was alive today, we would still say crucify him. But some of you don't believe you would say that. You would. We would still hang him today. If he was alive today, we would still do it. But sometimes we don't think we will because we don't have a small view of our sin. Jesus died for big sin. All of your sin is nailed to that cross. And when he did it, it was finished. You see, the cross and, and the resurrection are the greatest expression of his resurrection love for you. The greatest expression of it. Do you see that that way? Do you see the cross as love? That that's love. Because on that cross hangs the pavement for my sins. Think of the person who loves you the most. Will that person hang on a cross for you? Will they? Will they die for you? Will they? So will you come and surrender to Jesus today? And if you do, confess to him you're, you're a sinner. Ask for forgiveness and receive him as your Lord and Savior. And once you do this, you are clean. I mean, you are clean before the throne of God above. And you're forgiven. It will be well with your soul. As the old hymn says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Thank you. Amen. People need to be standing up. Know that. that. You should be excited about that. That should humble you. You should be excited to know that your sin debt is gone. And this table this will always be a reminder of that glorious thought that all your sins, past, present, and future, have all been nailed to that old rugged cross. It's covered. It is finished. This table is a reminder that Jesus' love, his resurrection love, it washes you completely. Your sin is washed away. And it's a reminder that he continues to wash you 
in your sin struggles. No matter what it is that you, you struggle with, he will forgive it. I don't care how dark it is. He will forgive you if you are his. If you are his. And this table is for all those who have come and placed all their faith in Jesus. They for perfect people. There's no such thing. There's only one perfect person that ever walked the face of this earth, and that is Jesus. And he died for imperfect people. And so if you know him, if you have surrendered your life to him, then this table is for you. Friends and family, if you don't know Jesus and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, then I'm glad that you're here. And I please, please observe what we're doing here. And if you have questions of what it means to have faith in Jesus, then please see me after the service and we can talk about a love that won't ever let you go. Adults, we ask you, the kids who are with you, abstain from the elements until they've been invited to the table by the church that you all attend. And this is my favorite part of communion. I need all the kids. Please look at Pastor Alex. Please look at me. This table is a reminder to each and every one of you that Jesus died for your sins. As your pastor, it's my prayer that one day each of you, each and every one of you, will one day come to him and save in faith, and you get to partake of this meal with your mom and dad. Now, the world will tell you Easter is about a bunny. Easter is about Jesus and what he did for each and every one of you on the cross. He made a way so that you could be made right with God. It is my prayer that one day each of you will come to a saving knowledge of that truth. Now, I ask each and every one of you to just spend a time of preparation, asking the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts, and I call for the elders who will be assisting. Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me.